just quickly stand up? Stay right there, man. Let's stand up really quickly. Come on. Who believes God's in the place tonight? Come on, you didn't come here by accident. It wasn't just by chance. No one invited you. God destined for us to be in this little foyer on this 5th of July 2020. He knew about the pandemic. He knew about the problems. He knew about it all, and yet he still purposed and designed, destined us for us to be here together. This combination of people, because he wanted to do something great tonight. When we open our hearts and raise our hands right now as we pray and get ready for God to move. Jesus. Oh yeah, repeat, that's great. Jesus. Jesus. Move in me tonight. I don't want to leave here the same. I pray this for my neighbor. Put your hand on their head for if that's okay. For my neighbor and for me. And hand on your head. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Find your seats. High five two people on the way down. No, come on, quickly. Two people, you guys can take a seat. It's going to be good to set me up. Amazing. That'd be awesome. So good. I'm going to grab myself a chair and a pulpit, but I'm really excited. So good. PM service. It's looking pretty nice in here, eh? We're moving forward. We're making some space. It's looking good. Got those cafe vibes going on. About to give me a mocha frappuccino, piccolo, double shot, almond milk for that for that extra goodness. Jesus drank almond, I hear. Um, and we created the almond, I don't know. Alright. Who's ready to jump in tonight? Hope you don't got anywhere to be. No, I'm just kidding, it's not gonna be um, super long, but um, I want to do something a little bit different this week, and I couldn't shake. Normally, okay, um, Toby, so as a, when you're preaching like every week, you get a bit of a flow, right? A bit of a formula? Yeah, sure. You sort of like, <laughs> yeah, so you have a, okay, this is how, you know, I have a nice structure, you know, I've got this point, this point, this point, and everything I want to say sort of falls in within one of those three points. You know, intro, introduction, you have a scripture, then a cool story, then a laugh. You know what? Then you pray, share the sermon title, boom, you're off and away, okay? Planes up, all flights, all masks on, we're good to go. This week, Tony, though, um, I was having trouble putting everything I felt God downloading to me all into my nice little structure. How many times have you had that happen? You've got a nice structure, got a nice plan, God, this is how I'm going to do it, this is how it's going to be, and God says, yeah, not today, son. Uh, and so... As I was preparing this, Benny will testify, I think it was so many nights, I was like, God, I'm trying to put this, in, squeeze it, like like you got some jeans that just were two, two sizes too small, like, I'm trying to squeeze it in there. Um, that was what I was trying to do with everything God was sharing with me from us as a church for this week. And so it spilled out of like my role, spilled out, you know, of my nice little structure of my sermon. So forgive me if I don't have the three points that all rhyme or start with the same letter, you know what I mean? So it's just from heaven, it's just from God. I deliver it the best way that I can. Is that okay, Toby? Great. <laughs> so tonight, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, servant leadership. God's been really hammering my heart about that. Servant leadership. I want to talk about um, faith in God. I want to talk about excuses. No, you know, that doesn't apply to anyone else. Only of us here, we don't make excuses. 
Um, I want to talk a little, bit about, a little bit about human problems and God's solutions. Um, and I want to talk about our part in God's plan for salvation in the world. Who was here last week, Pastor Jeremy's message? Yeah. Holy moly! That was from heaven. That was so good. Um, that just impacted me so hardcore. Um, about to go buy the book that he was sort of referencing and just consume that thing. Um, so I, I want to jump off that a little bit as well um, in the mission of God um, towards the end. So get ready for that. Okay, Rico? Good. Um, I want to talk a bit about Jesus and I want to talk about how Jesus rolls. Someone say, how Jesus rolls. How Jesus rolls. So good. And to do that, I'm going to kick off the story. You've read it before, but we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper into this story today. Um, and Josiah, he'll know what this word means, but exegesis. Exegesis is a way of preaching or a way of studying where, uh, for example, there's two sort of types of messages, Toby. Uh, there's um, topical messages. I'm going to preach about bananas, okay? And you find all the scriptures, you know, you sort of... Bananas is my central theme, so I'm going to draw to bananas. God made bananas in Genesis, and then maybe he referenced it in Exodus about a food you're not supposed to eat, and then Jesus made a banana. And what does this have to do with bananas? Um, that's one type of preaching. Maybe it's love, forgiveness, joy, peace, whatever it is. Um, and then there's another type of preaching called exegesis. Nothing to do with J-E, it's E-X-E-G-E-X-Jesus. Um, uh, <laughs> But that's the type of preaching where instead, or the type of studying, where you just go through the text. You just read line by line, and Angie knows this, you just study the line by line. And, and what is this text saying to me? You don't jump from here to there, that's not bad, that's not good, it's neither here nor there. But we're literally going to go through this chapter line by line, and pull out what I feel like God is asking us to to look at tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. I said, is that okay? Yeah. Awesome. So, swipe, tap, scroll, ask Alexa to get yourself to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. Matthew 14, um, starting in verse 13. Okay, you ready? Yeah. When you're there, go, mm. Mm. Okay. It's on the screen as well for some of you guys that didn't bring a Bible or forgot it or it's sitting at home next to the bananas. Okay. Verse 13 says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And we have here, uh, we have here only five loaves. Some translations call them rolls or bread, five rolls. We've only got five rolls of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. Uh, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, take on the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the rolls. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. The title of my um, message tonight is this. This is how I roll. This is how I roll. Jesus, help us tonight. Amen.
Have you ever had someone ask you for help, right? You're sitting there, you're just minding your own good, good jolly business. Someone comes to you, they've got a problem, they ask you for help. And you know the answer, you're a kind human, so you say, yeah, no worries, here's the solution, this is what you can do. And they go back, they try and do it, they make it worse, because they're stupid, you know. <laughs> they, um, they, they make it worse and they come back and then eventually, you don't want to keep doing this. If you're a parent with small children, or really any children, I guess, um, you know, this happens a lot. And eventually, you end up saying the lines here. You end up saying, fine, I'll just do it myself. I'll just do this myself. Um, and all of a sudden, you take on that other pro pro person's problem. And now that problem is your problem. Um, you take it on and because you're awesome and not stupid, you fix it. Um, and, but when you take on that other person's problem, you carry the weight of the worry that comes with that problem. Now it's not on them, it's on you. You're carrying someone else's problem. For us, as parents or friends, or if you're a leader of a team or employer, and your employees are just nincompoops, you know, like, it's different, it can be frustrating. Not yours, obviously, David. Um, um, but as humans, this can be frustrating. But when it actually comes to Jesus, this is actually how Jesus rolls. This is what he does. He takes out, okay, if you want the sermon, hey, Toby, okay. When it comes to preparing sermons, they say, if you can't say the whole sermon in one line, you're not finished, okay? So the, the whole sermon, the whole next 30 minutes I'm about to speak can be summarized in one sentence, and that is this. Um, Jesus takes our problem, and he makes it his problem. Jesus takes our problems and he makes them his problems. Okay. Um, and that's how Jesus rolls. He takes our problems and then makes it his problems. And I want to roll like Jesus rolls. I want to be the type of Christian follower that actually follows and, and copies and models my life from Jesus. So verse by verse, you ready? Yeah. Awesome. All right. It says this in Matthew 13. I'm going to start in verse 13. It says this, when Jesus heard what had happened, straight away, if you're studying the Bible, just I'll tell you this as well, you can't, if you read something like that, it's important to get the, to understand the text, to get the context. And so what had just happened? So before we go any further, let's just get a little glimpse inside what Jesus might be feeling right now as he hears what had just happened. So to do that, we're going to just jump back in time, back to the future, a few verses um, and it says this in Matthew 14, starting in verse 3. Now Herod, everyone say boo. Herod had just arrested John, John the Baptist, uh, and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. His brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, for John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. He's calling her out. He's calling him out. Hey, Herod, I see you. what's going on there. Calling you out. Anyway, Herod get angry about this. Herod wants to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. Really good guy. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath. And you, this is a big thing. You don't promise with an oath. You know, that's a big deal. Um, to give her whatever she asks. Now, it's about to get MA, okay, up against her. Sorry for those below 15. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Oh, she really is. And the king was distressed 
because of his oaths. He didn't want to do this because the people loved John the Baptist, but now he's got a, he's given an oath to give this girl whatever he wants. Gentlemen, don't make that promise, okay? <laughs> don't, whatever you want, okay? Don't, okay? Just, unless it's like... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> first, first date. I'll get you anything on the dolphin. All right. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests would watch him, what's he going to do? He ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. The head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it past the castle to the mother. <laughs> John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. Hearing what had happened, he withdrew privately. We're back in our verses now. He withdrew privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. So let's get inside Jesus' head right now, okay? What's he feeling? What's Jesus feeling as he lands on the shore and he sees a crowd of people? He's trying to withdraw. So basically, John and Jesus, they're cousins, they're family, okay? You know the Christmas story, Elizabeth, John, and Mary with Jesus, friends, and then they're born, they grow up together. Jesus and John are family, they're tight. And not only are they family and are they tight, but John is actually the only person that believes in Jesus. He is the only person on earth, apart from Mary and Joseph at this time, who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Do you remember what John said when he saw Jesus coming to the river? Look, there's the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sin of the world. John knew Jesus' purpose before anyone else. He was the only person. And now Jesus hears that one, his family, and two, the only person in his world right now that believes in him, believes in his purpose and his destiny is dead, beheaded. Not a nice little <gasps> death, like a, here's your head on a platter. You know what I mean? Not exactly nice, dignified. And I can imagine Jesus in this moment, he's withdrawing to be alone, to have a bit of quiet time, to gain some perspective. But do you think Jesus gets that? No. Because he lands on the shore. Someone's given away. They've tweeted, Jesus is going to be on the other side. Let's go there now. And he, he, he shows up and he gets swamped with the crowd of people wanting, to them, wanting Jesus to do something for them. Thinking only about themselves. And I think, man, if Jesus, going through what he's going through, he's gone through this emotional suffering right now. I think Jesus would have been totally justified, not sinning or anything, just to say, you know what, guys? The close sign is on. That I'm taking the day off. You know, I'm having a mental health day. It's closed for the day. Miracle shop is over. Just for today, come back 24 hours. I'm just grieving, the, you know, my cousin. Things are going a bit. I just want to have a quiet time. Jesus could have been so justified to say, I just need a chance to get away from you guys. Parents, feel like that anymore? Just give me a chance, just give me a day, an hour, a minute in the toilet, on the bathroom, by myself, without you at the door. <laughs> but he doesn't get it. And he doesn't say that. Instead of approaching the people 
and saying, yep, day off, I'm having the day off, goodbye, see you tomorrow. It says he has compassion and he heals all their sick. This is how Jesus rolls. He is others-centered. Jesus is others-centered. I believe Jesus, he knew that seclusion was never the solution. Seclusion from other people was never going to be the thing that um, solved his inner anguish at the moment. Um, even when he was suffering in his own emotional state at the death of his cousin, the only person who believed in him, even when he himself thought he had every excuse to press pause on his heaven-sent destiny. You ever wanted to press pause on something that God's asked you to do? Like, God, I know you've asked me to be this parent, but can I just like, press this parent that's really awesome, really good, that, you know, prays with my uh, kid every night, that, um, you know, that honors God every day. Like, can I just press pause because it's easier? God, can I just press pause on trying to reach my school for Jesus? Can I just press pause on living a life of um, dignity and um, integrity? God, can I just press pause right now on what you've called me to do? Um, Jesus, with every excuse to press pause on his heaven-set purpose, he, even when he had all his own problems, he takes on the problems of others and says, okay, there's people, I've got compassion, let's get to work. I know I'm feeling this right now, but I'm going to get to work. One of the greatest remedies for our own suffering is serving others. One of the greatest ways that you can um, heal your own suffering to, um, to, to um, dampen that feeling of suffering is actually to serve others. It's so easy in this, as we've just come out of um, isolation and, and, and we might have gotten used to like, um, you know, pajama day, all day, every day, um, gotten used to Uber Eats straight to my bedroom door. Can you come in? Yep, come in, just straight to my bedroom. Come straight into my room. I know I'm in my bed, but just give me my Uber right now. Like, I know we get used to this seclusion, um, but it, it, we're called to be servant leaders who serve others. And the serving, the servant leadership actually becomes a solution for both the person serving as well as the person being served. And that's why when God's talking to me and then I talk to us as a church about serving, come on, you've got to serve God, you've got to serve your church, you've got to serve your neighbors, you've got to serve the world. That's not just so, hey, we need someone to cook the milk and we need someone to operate the lights and we need someone to open the doors and vacuum the floor. We, can you come here and help us? It's actually God's heart and design yeah. to help you. It's actually the way God designed servant leadership doesn't just help the person being served, it helps the server too. Okay, I'm going to play a game. You ever play that uh, or seen that game where um, they uh, have the three cups and underneath one cup is like a coin or a cookie, something like that. And um, you got to watch the cup, you know, watch the cup or the cookie. And the guy, he's like, yeah, can you watch the cup? Yes, I can. Okay, watch the cup. Okay, I'll pull. I'll watch the cup. Watch the cup very carefully. Okay. And all of a sudden, he puts the cookie in there, and then he's like, you yeah, know, watch the cookie. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then three arms grow out of his chest, and he's just going crazy. And you're like, cookie, 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 cookie. And you're watching the cookie, and then you go, pick, this is the cup. That's the cookie. Yeah, you got the cookie. Yeah. We're going to play that game. But <laughs> no cookies. No cookies. Sorry, sorry. Game over. No cookies. We're going to play it um, with a problem. Okay, with a problem. 
with a problem. In this text, there's a problem. In this story, there's a problem. And the problem gets passed around, it's moved around from different places. So I want, I want us to play past the problem and you need to watch and be careful and see where the problem is being passed to. And I'll help you along the way for those of us who um, have slow eyes, you know, and uh, minds. Okay, um, it says this, okay. Um, okay, it says in Matthew, so we're up to Matthew 15, uh, 14, verse 15. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Buy themselves some food. So we, have a, we can sort of see a problem here. But it's been a good day. It's been a good productive day. Good day of miracles, good day of healings, you know. Some really good stuff going on. It's been productive. It says as evening approached. So they're later in the day. They might be around now. It might be around the 3, 4, 5 o'clock mark. Um, evening, they've had a good day of miracles. And Jesus, he's been working. He's been moving. He's been healing. He's been loving people all day. And the disciples just been watching. This is how Jesus rolls. He, he's taken his time. And I love the fact that we serve a God who takes his time with us. He doesn't just swoop in and then like fixes something and then swoops out again. Oh, he's not up there just like, okay, managing all the, um, the uh, mole, the mole heads, you know, the bang, bang, bang. He's not up in the earth now. Problem over there. Bang. Okay, Australia needs water. Bang. Oh, Australia's on fire. Bang. Okay, oh, um, riots over here. Bang. He doesn't just like, bam, bam, bam. And then, okay, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, Tasmania. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he doesn't do, he's not doing that. He, he's the sort of God that when he comes, he stays. He takes his time in your life. He takes your, his time with the things that you need help with. He takes his time to come and really minister and work in us. It's called the Holy Spirit. Um, he'd been in here with the crowd all day. All day, he's just moving through the crowds, healing, taking his time. He could have just done a mass healing, right? And then the whole crowd just gets healed. No, he takes his time, goes to each person. He's healing their sick, showing compassion. Who's thankful we have a Jesus like that? Yeah. He doesn't just like, mega blast heal. He takes his time. Um, all right, so the problem. Who's got the problem right now? There's a problem. Who's got the problem? The people have a problem. The crowd, the masses. That hungry bunch, okay? They, they've got the problem. And the problem, the disciples are describing the problem that the people got. Jesus sees people, they got problems. People are like, I know, I've been healing them. Jesus, uh, they got problems. And the disciples say three things, three reasons why this is a problem. They say, one, hey, Jesus, this is a remote place. In other words, this is a problematic environment. They say, two, um, it's getting late, a problematic time. And they say they've got to go and buy themselves some food. Problematic resources, a lack of resources. We've got three different sort of excuses or reasons as to why the people have a problem. The disciples perceive a problem approaching. But here's the thing. They've been seeing Jesus do miracles all day. They've been seeing Jesus heal the sick, heal broken bones, drop the leprosy off. He's been seeing Jesus still do all of these miracles, but for some reason they still find an excuse as to why Jesus can't solve this particular problem. It's late, you know, it's a bad environment, there's no Taco Bells around here anywhere, it's a bad time, no food, we've got limited resources. Um, it's funny because they, they, they've seen Jesus do so many incredible things in the whole day, but they don't think he can do this thing? 
and now the people got a problem. But how often are we exactly the same? We see the, the, the same sort of excuses in our life as well. We oftentimes, any excuse that you'll make in life is generally centered around the same three things. One, it's not the right environment. God, I'm not in the right place. God, I'm not in the right school. I'm not in the right job. I'm not in the right family. I'm not in the right church. I'm not in the right whatever it is, okay? I'm not in the right school. I'm not in the right environment, God. God, you call me to be this, but all the things, people that do this are over there. Um, you know, I need to be in Melbourne. I need to be in Sydney. I need to be wherever. I need to be in Browns. We're, we're in the wrong environment. Or God, maybe it's like, God, uh, I, I'm, I'm married. What you call me to do, I, I can't do that while I'm married. God, wish, if I was single, that would be, you know, I, I could really do what you've called me to do if I was single. And then the single people, God, I need to be married to be able to do something like that, what you've called me to do. I can't do that by myself. And, and we're in the wrong environment. And, and, and what about the wrong time? God, it's not the right time. You know what? It's not the right time. I'm too young, God. There's no way I could do that because I'm too young. Oh, God, I'm too old now. I'm too old. There's no way I can do that. Only the young snipper snappers do that. I can't do that. That's the wrong time. Oh, God, uh, this is not the right time because I'm in school. This is not the right time because I don't have enough money yet. I don't own my home yet. I can't do that because I, it's the wrong time. Or what about the wrong resources? God, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough followers. I don't have enough influence. The list goes on and on and on. God, I don't have enough. These three excuses that we use all the time to get out and to sort of talk back to the things that God is asking us to do. Oh God, it's not the right place. It's not the right time. And I don't have enough to do what you call me to do. And the, Jesus, uh, the disciples, they have, uh, um, they come up with a solution, credit to them. This is their solution. The, pro the people, they got a problem. They're hungry. It's getting late. No food around. Uh, and uh, there's not enough food. This is my solution, Jesus. They've gone, they've done some brainstorming, they've done a session, they're like, okay, Jesus, uh, we've mind mapped, we've come up with a plan. Um, this is our plan, all right? Peter, you've got to tell Jesus about it. Jesus, we've got a plan. Um, people are hungry, there's not enough food around here, it's not the right time, it's getting late, not enough food. This is the plan, Jesus. Send them away. Just kick them out. Go on, Jesus, just tell them, hey, scatter, use scatters. Go, get yourself some food. And that's, that's their solution, is to send the crowds away. But the next line here in the text, Jesus, he reveals such an incredible heart of his father. He reveals a little layer of who God is and part of his character here. Because Jesus replies and he says, um, in verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Where's the problem? Oh, people had a problem. Now, now Jesus is doing a switch, and now the disciples got a problem. Because Jesus has taken the problem off the people and said, Hey, Peter, John, James, yeah, crew, yours is the problem now. And, and he's saying, they don't need to go away, you go away. No, <laughs> he, he, he's saying, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. The excuses of this, not the right time, not enough money, not the right environment, no, they're no factor to Jesus. They don't even come in to his thought process. Our excuses of why we think we can't do something for God are no factor to Jesus. And Jesus gives the disciples the problem. We're not going to send them away, Jesus says. Why would we do that? Why are we going to send them away? But we do that too, right? 
We send our problems away. Jesus is standing there. Jesus is standing there. And he is the solution. And then the disciples want to send the problem away. But how often do we do the same thing? We've got a problem and we go try every other avenue, every other way we could possibly get it done. And, and we send our, salute, our, our problems away. But I think we need to try and see the need, the problem in our lives through uh, a faith perspective, through the lens of the fact that we serve a God in whom all things are possible. You know, nearby villages, Galilean villages that are around them, um, would have only had hundreds, at most a couple thousand people living in the nearby villages. So you know, they say, send them away to some nearby villages so they can get some food. But those villages that they're presuming and, and suggesting to send the people to, they would never have even had enough bread to be able to feed the 5,000 men, yet alone the, the, the total amount of some scholars say 10 to 20,000, including women and children. There, there was... The, the nearby villages didn't even have the resources, the solution that they were trying to send the people to. Um, in other words, for us, we're trying to send our problems to places that are insufficient to supply us with our need. There, there's not, we, we try and send our addiction there, but that's not sufficient to hold it. We try and send our issues over here, but that can't solve it. We try and send it over there, but that can't solve it. That relationship can't solve it. This, that, it can't solve it because it's insufficient. Have you ever been to the shops and um, get your food, get your twiggy sticks, get sparkling, you put it all in your basket, you go to the counter, it's okay to self-serve, you can get around this, but when you serve, you get served by someone, and then your card comes out, and you tap your card, and then your heart drops because you hear the beat, and on the screen, what does it say? Insufficient funds. <laughs> anyone happened to, any, has that happened to anyone here? Anyone here? Uh, or if it hasn't happened, geez, that must be nice. Lost touch with the copper bear, right? Um, anyway, that's happened to me so many times, and what do you do? You're like, oh, Sorry, let me just uh, move some money around. You know? Yeah, I've got all my piles of cash over here. Just move some money into this account, you know, just one second. And then, you know, it doesn't work. Oh, I'll just try it again. That's funny. I just checked it. Oh, I've got some cash in the car. Keep my wads in the glove box, you know. You go out there, you get in your car, you drive away. You never go back to that store. It's the one that right next to your house that you never go there again. I've done that. I've bailed on the groceries because I didn't have the money to pay for it. 100% have done that. But we do that all the time. We try and send something here, but it's got insufficient funds to supply us with what we need. Our faith. I wonder, is our faith limited to only certain areas of our life? Like, do we think God maybe only works in certain areas of our lives? Or does Jesus actually have the ability and the power to touch every area of our life? To touch every area of our life? How else does Jesus rolls? He is intimately involved in our lives. Intimately involved in our lives. Why would we send them away, Jesus says? Why, why would we send them away? You've been seeing me heal their bodies, but now I can't feel their bellies? Oh, okay, so it's easier for me, Jesus, to just speak to the leprosy and go, oh, leprosy, get out of here. But I can't fill their stomachs and provide for their need. 
I created the wheat. I created the food. I created this thing. You don't think I can do this miracle? You think, oh, leprosy is my specialty. You know what? I'm the king of leprosy removals. You know, like this is my, it's on my card. That's the best thing that I'm at. Filling the bellies, it's a bit harder. Feed the 5,000, you know, I need special tools to do. No, Jesus can do that miracle and this miracle and that miracle. He can do it in your finances as well as your faith, in your marriage and in your money. He can do it in every area. But sometimes we just limit him to God. You only work through this avenue of my life, but not this one really. God is intimately involved in every area of our lives. Is that okay? Is this helping anyone? We're confused. We're on the right track. Awesome. Okay, so verse 17. It says this. We have here only five loaves. The disciples do. We have here only five rolls and bread and two fish, they answered. They answered. They answered? Normally you answer a question. I didn't see Jesus asking any questions though. He says, you feed them. Oh, but Jesus, we've only got this, they answered. I don't want to answer a question Jesus isn't asking. It's not like a suggestion. Hey, guys, if you feel like it, if you think you can muster the energy, you know, if you think it's able, could you, like, feed these guys? And, oh, Jesus, we can't answer it. I don't want to be the type of Christian who's just answering questions Jesus isn't even asking. Sometimes we forget that God is God, and when he commands something, it's not like an optional, it's not like, oh, can we barter this thing, you know? I'll give you some of my music, but not all of my music. I'll give you some of my friends, but hey, can I keep this friend over here? Two for the price of one, can you work something out here? God's directives are not optional. Jesus is saying, you feed them. That's not a question, dude. That's that's, That's what I'm asking you to do. But the, the, the disciples, they come back and say, we have here only, only. This is all we've got. What a poverty perspective the disciples have where they've been past the problem. And that's their response. Oh, God, I don't have enough to solve this problem. And that's interesting. But well, I reckon Jesus knew that there wasn't enough food, right? Do you think Jesus would have known that there was only enough food? I mean, he... This is Jesus. He's got superpowers. He could look out to the Sea of Galilee where they might have been standing by, and and he could see the x-ray vision of all the fish in the sea. Like, he made all the fish in the sea, and he named them by name and counts the scales on their head. You know what I mean? Like, he sees all of it. He says, that's Jerry, that's Bobby, there's Ricky, Ricky, there's Ricky over there. He knows all the fish by name. He knows how much fish is in the thing. He knows how much bread is in the crowd. He knows that there's just the two rolls over here because he can count the wheat kernels in the nearby field. Do you know what I mean? Jesus knows that there's only a couple of bread and a couple of fish. And so why does he even ask them to do this impossible task? Why? Why would you set us up to fail, Jesus? Why would you ask us to feed these things when you know there's just a few bread and a couple of fish fingers up in here? I think maybe Jesus might have asked this question to set them up for the next stage of the conversation. Maybe before Jesus gets to the miracle of mass provision, he needs the disciples to realize that they can't do it by themselves. That they actually don't have what it takes. I know we're like loving the Instagram 
inspirational quotes. You can do it. Get up and go. You just got to hustle and all your dreams can come true. You get up at 5 a.m. and you go to bed at 5 a.m. Whatever it is, do whatever. And, and, and you know, you're beautiful on the up days and the down, and they don't even make sense. You're like, what did I even read just now? And, and that's all like well and nice and oh, that's cool. But I think Jesus wants us to get it in our minds that, hey, you can't do it. You actually can't. You cannot do what I'm asking you to do. You can't actually do what it is that you're trying. And no, no wonder sometimes when us as, as humans, we say things like, you know, uh, we get intimidated or insecure about our calling, about what it should be or who we should be. And no wonder you get those thoughts as a parent um, or a husband, I know I do, or, a, or, a, or as a wife or as a mother or as an employer or as a pastor. And you get the thoughts that say things like, I can't do this. What? I just can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And what we want is the Holy Spirit to come and say, yes, you can. <laughs> well done, Kira. You can do it. Just keep showing up. Just keep preparing this message you cannot seem to. Just keep going, Kira. When I think the Holy Spirit is actually responding to us saying, No! You can't do it! You can't actually do it! You suck! How was the word tonight? You suck. You come on. Maybe Jesus actually needs us to realize that before he can come along and do what only he can do, we need to let go and say, you know what? I'm going to stop trying because I know only God can do this. But Kieran, I can do all things. Yeah, through Christ, who gives you strength, you wimp. You know what I mean? Like only through God can you do all things. That gives you the strength. So maybe Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm going to set this up so that they realize that they can't actually do it by themselves. I'm going to take the problem off them because I am going to do something great. And Jesus says what every one of us as parents have said before. He says in verse 18, bring them here to me. Jesus, we've only got a few fish and a few loaves. We can't do this. Bring them to me. I'll do it. Anyone ever done that? I'll do it. Where's the problem now? Where's the problem? Ooh, this is a good place to put your problems. Jesus. The problem has gone from the people. The people got a problem, Jesus. They're hungry, man. Okay, Jesus takes the problem, spins the cup off the people onto the disciples. Disciples got a problem. Oh no, <laughs> we're freaking out. And then Jesus, okay, we've got this problem, you're trying to do this, uh, you ask her, and then she's like, I'll do it, take past the problem to me. And this is the sweet spot. Jesus says this, he says in verse 19, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, take the loaves, take the fish, and look up to heaven. He gave thanks. Notice the disciples grumbled about it, and Jesus just gave thanks. Jesus grumbles, uh, sorry, the disciples grumble, we don't have enough, it's too hard, the fish smell, the blues are hard, the kid's annoying, the kid is snorted on it. It's grumbling about what they don't have and all of this. And Jesus takes the same roles, the same fish, with a different perspective, with a different outcome. Same roles, same fish, different perspective, different outcome. Jesus gives thanks for it. And then all of a sudden, a miracle happens. We can get the band up. The whole band, that might be cool. Oh, 
for a few minutes here. Actually, sorry, I'm sorry, just the keys, that's fine. Sorry, guys. Grumbles about Alright, so the people had the problem, the disciples got the problem, now Jesus has got the problem. And Jesus does what only Jesus does. This is how Jesus rolls. He's got a confidence in God. Uh, sorry, a confidence that God is in control. He's got a confidence that he knows that his Father, his Father in Heaven, has got this. And that's why he can have the confidence to say, bring it in to me. I know it's just a few fish and that's a few thousand, but God's got this. I know God's in control. I've got confidence in that. The next part of verse 19, it says, He gave thanks and broke the loaves, but then it says, Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. What's them? What's them? He says, He gave them to the disciples. Well, there was a problem, but after Jesus gets his hands on it, it's not a problem for long, and it turns into a solution. Now, if I was Jesus, you ever said that? <laughs> if I was Jesus, I'd be like, you disciples, take the seat back, I'll show you how it's done. Miracles! Foods for days. Come on, people, I'm going to hand these food out. Here's the Here's the loaves, here's the fish. Sit down, guys, I'll get to you at the end. You're the last table of the wedding banquet. Who hates that table, right? Anyway, you're passing it out. And if I was Jesus, I'd be like, I've solved the problem, I've got the solution. Let's go, people. He doesn't do that. The Bible says, so our problems turn into a solution. Now we're playing past the solution. And now the solution, Jesus takes it and he gives it back to the disciples. It came in as a problem. It came back as a solution. He chose to give the miracle, the solution to his disciples to distribute it. To distribute it to the people. He does all the hard work, all the miracle power. Fish. Bread. He does all the work. But he brings his disciples along on the journey and he says, you know what, I've done this phenomenal miracle, but I want you to hand it to the people. I want you to take the miracle. I want you to take the solution. And I want you to distribute it to the people. I know it started with them and it started now with you, but once I've got a hold of that problem in your life, God's going to turn it into something good. He's going to turn it into a solution. And then he's going to give it back to you to help someone else. He's going to take that back. He's going to give that back so you can bless somebody else with it. And that's what Jeremy spoke about last night. He said, you know what? God could just come down and do it all himself. But he has chosen to partner with people, not pastors and priests. Yeah. No, he's chosen to pastor with ordinary, everyday uh, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, students and workers and baristas and, and every person. God has chosen to work and partner with people. This is how Jesus rolls. He turns problems into solutions. You know, you can preach the gospel. Our sin 
Jesus comes and pays for it on the cross and dies and raises again, now we get eternal life in Jesus. You can preach that core message on any page of the Bible, even in the Bibles, in the, in the, in the pages where Jesus isn't even mentioned. You can see the gospel at work everywhere. You can open up any page and you can preach the gospel from it. The story of God is weaved through the entire whole and the history of the world is all centered around Jesus and what he did. But in this story, can you see the essence of the gospel? It's not just a party, you know, fish that fill the fish that say everybody. It's not just a party. There's actually a bigger, deeper picture here of God displaying. This is what it means that, that the good news of Jesus, we see sin, sin, Sin was our problem. It wasn't God's problem. It wasn't Adam and Eve's problem. Our great, 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 daddy and mummy. It wasn't their problem. It was theirs. That, theirs, it was their problem. But our sin is our problem. We messed up. But then God sent his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin. He takes our problem and made it his own. And taking our sin and our problem to the cross... As his own. He now solves the sin problem for all those who believe and receive him. And then, that's the solution. But then, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world. And now we're called to take the message of Jesus, his sin solution, and distribute it to all the people. This is how Jesus rolls. He turns problems to solutions. The Israelites had a problem, the Red Sea. That was their problem. God made it his problem. Daniel had a problem. Very creature, big teeth. God made it his problem. The storm that the disciples were in, that one or two or three times, that was the disciples' problem. But God made it his problem. The walls of Jericho, they were the, the Israelites' problem, but God made it his problem. Do you believe and receive tonight? Do you know that God it doesn't just see your problems as pathetic? He wants to take them. He wants to fashion them, spin them around, and turn a solution, something good from something bad, and he wants to deliver it right back to you so you can pass it out to others. That's what God is doing. He is taking a sin problem and he's solving it on the cross and then asking his people to distribute it to the world. He is the bread of life. You realize that? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And anyone who would come to me, you're never going to be hungry. You're never going to be thirsty again. There's something bigger going on in this story. I wonder if God, that we would stand and realize that you've taken our problem. Come on, if you've ever had a problem and God has made it his problem, would you stand up right now? Let's just stand up and the band can come back. We're just going to sing really quickly because we're thankful. Come on, if you're thankful, you know that, God, you had a problem. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was a, a, a need. Maybe it was a lacking. And you tried to take it to some nearby villages. You thought, I'll try and take it over there. But they didn't have enough to support you. You tried to take it to this personal relationship. And that wasn't enough to support you. And then finally, God took it off your hands. I don't care if it was your big salvation story or if it was a little need. I don't care what it was. God, if he's taken his problem, your problem, and made it his problem, I wonder if we would give God some praise. Can we, do you have a mic? Can you sing? Um, I don't know what your problem was. The bill, the bill. Was it the bill? The bill was...
was your problem, God made it his problem. The sickness, that was your problem, and God made it his problem. The, the, the crazy kid was your problem, but God made it his problem. The depression, the anxiety, that was your problem, but God made it his problem. The hurt that you caused, that was your problem, but God made it his problem. Can we sing for a second? Yeah, come on. If, if God's taken a problem of yours, let's worship him right now. Come on, if you're thankful, the measure of your praise should be equal to the measure of your problem. That was good. The measure of your praise should be equal to the measure of your problem. Our marriage, you, 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 
you healed me from that addiction. You set me free, God. I was going down and you raised me up. I was dead, now I'm alive. I was broken, now I'm healed. I was at that anxiety and now I've got the peace that transcends God. We trust you tonight. I want to land on this one last verse. Verse 20, we've got it there, dude. It says they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. That's my last point. This is how Jesus rolls. He satisfies all our needs. He satisfies all our needs. Everybody's needs. Jesus says, hey, you roll with me, I'm going to roll with you. You roll with me, I'm going to roll with you. I wonder tonight, would we take up the call to distribute the miracle? If you say yes, and you say, yeah, I'm going to, I want to pass bread out, Jesus. Yeah, give me a, give me a basket of bread. Give me a basket of miracles. Give me a basket of solutions. Give it, give it to me, God. I want to hand it out. Do you realize you handing it out, you're going to get blessed too. You're going to, it says they were all, the crowd got fed and the disciples got fed. Even better, they took leftovers home. Someone give praise for leftovers. Who loves leftovers? Even Jesus is saying, you know what? Uh, you, you work with me, you roll with me. You're not just going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed above. You're going to get blessed beyond. Running over, spilling out. Come on. Come on. If we say, yeah, I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to distribute the sin solution, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Coming down from heaven, dying on the cross. I'm going to give it to everybody. I mean, here's some bread. Here's some bread. You just be the bread man. You are the new baker of your street. You just hand it rolls out to everybody. And you're going to get blessed too. Come on, let's stand up. Let's give God an opportunity to use us and believe that we're going to get fed too. He satisfies all that needs. Jesus, when you raise your hands right now, Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you. You are our solution. You are our supply. Well, Lord, I don't want to go to other places anymore. I don't want to stop visiting that place and this place to sustain and fulfill my needs. I'm coming to you every time. Every, every problem I get, I'm saying, Jesus, what's the solution here? Every problem in every area, uh, God, help us to come to you first and say, Jesus, what's the solution? And help us, God. We want to be distributors of the sin solution and carry the gospel to every person in every place, wherever we go. And we know that as we step out, God, you're going to bless us back. That God, you're going to do a work in us as we serve others. You're going to serve us and work in us as well. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said a mighty Amen. Amen.